Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast. I am your host, Dean Jones, and this is Season 7, Episode 1. I am so blown away to have gotten to seven seasons of this podcast. I had started it as a lark, and uh, I don't think I knew where I was going with it when I started it. And uh, here I am today doing Season 7, and I'm getting to interview today Chetna Macon, who is on the great um, the British Bake Off uh, program. I got to see her there more than once, and she had uh, lasted until the end, just about, and was a great contender. Um, and to be able to see her on TV and then talk to her is just—it's just thrilling. I've been so lucky since I started this with the people I've been able to talk to and the great guests that I've had on, just to get a little bit of their time and talk to them about their lives and th what they do, and just. It's just, you know, the best. It really is. I, I can't begin to tell you how wonderful this is. So hope that you take some of that into listening to the um, interview with Chetna. She's just a great guest, and I really love getting a chance to talk to her. I hope I get to talk to her again. Um, so she was on 2014 series of the Great British Bake Off, and I think they brought her back a few times on subsequent uh, revisiting episodes where they had people come back um so she's just been great but she's a very prolific writer and uh that's one thing i wanted to talk about her here she her first book was the cardamom trail and she's written multiple books since then about a book a year so she's been just you know publishing like crazy but you know the books are just fantastic and i really want to recommend you get them um if you like cooking like I do, and then you also like to have a window into Indian cooking, like I'm very interested in it. Um, I'm lucky we have a lot of great places to get Indian food around where I live here in the Bay Area, but I also, you know, would like to cook it myself. So, I mean, getting a chance to get somebody have some authentic recipes of different types, uh, from formal to uh, street food is just amazing. And her ways with vegetables is really great. I want to recommend her healthy cookbooks as well, because she really gives you a great window into cooking some vegetables well, which is something that I think not everybody does well. Uh, some uh, cookbook authors mean well and don't do very well, so I really want to recommend Chetna's books. Um, her, her food channel, uh, uh, Food with Chetna on YouTube, is amazing as well. Really want to recommend that. It's fun, and she really gives some good uh, techniques down on her videos to, to get a chance to watch that you get some good ideas for cooking yourself so without further ado i just want to go into my interview with chetna but uh, the long-winded intro because it's the seventh season and i'm really thrilled to be able to keep doing this and i hope i can continue to do it uh, for quite a long while but again here we go to my conversation with the great british bake-offs chetna Macon librarian podcast today i am so very very happy to have on the show someone from the great british bake-off that you're going to recognize chetna macon chetna thank you for being on the show thank you so much for having me i'm really excited now i heard i got to see that you were in the bay area recently and i'm really sorry that i had to miss your appearance at omnivore books did you have a great book signing there Oh, it was so lovely because um, it was my first time in San Francisco and I had no idea what to expect and um, Celia and her team were very welcoming. In fact, all the people who showed up there were very warm and it was such a lovely chat I had with everyone there. Did you get to try any great food while you're in San Francisco? I did try some uh, food, uh, but I... Mm, um, 
I'm not sure. I <laughs> there was nothing that will stay with me. Let me just say that. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff here in the um, San Francisco, but it's kind of like a blur. It's a yeah. great city, but it's like it kind of takes a lot of energy out of you. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I was there for a decent time. So it wasn't like I was there for two days and I ate every day. So everything was nice, but nothing was totally memorable. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I travel too. And I like uh, that makes total sense to me. Now, I, I want to go into your um, background, if I may, and just talk about your life. You were born in a small town in central India called Jabalpur. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great. I just want to make sure I got that. And then so did you get your love of food when you were young? I know a lot of people I talked to that are food writers, they started cooking when they were kids with relatives. Was that the case for you? I think um, it was uh, food of, uh, you know, love for food from very early on. I think um, my parents, both mom and dad are big foodies and they are just kind of big feeders, big cooks, big eaters. Um, and I'm one of three sisters, three girls, and all of us liked cooking, but um, they didn't start cooking till they were in college and much later, whereas I started when I was at school. So it has some it has been something that always interested me. Uh, but having said that, never in my dreams, wildest dreams, did I think I would ever be doing this. Now, um... You went on to become a fashion designer. You went to Mumbai to train at the uh, NIFT um, school. Did you always have a love of fashion? Yes. Uh, as far as I could remember from like maybe 13, 14, I kind of loved the idea of fashion and I knew that I need to go into that direction. So even when my friends were not sure at school what they want to do, um, like I was sure I wanted to get into fashion right now as old as my daughter is 14 that's when I knew I will what I'll do I didn't know but yes fashion was a field I wanted to go into now you had your own clothing label can we talk about that <laughs> yes god I haven't spoken about that in years um so what kind of clothing did you design largely women's clothing or so actually, I tried my hand at uh, quite a lot of things. I did a bit of a, a women's Indian wear, and I did some kids wear. I did men's wear. Um, oh. Then I worked with um, a kind of brand at the time uh, who had a massive, uh, very prominent fashion store in Mumbai. And I was their chief designer, designing kind of uh, exclusive ranges. We had uh, exclusive ranges coming out every season. And then I tried my hand at accessories like bags and scarves and stuff. Um, and that's when I, for the first time, I actually came to the UK. Now, uh, when you, I spent some time in England. And when I was there in the 80s, I got to go to King's Road, where all the fashion is. Or like oh. you could buy all the clothing and stuff. You ever get a chance to go to King's Road? Um, King's Road. Oh. King, King's Road. Yeah, it's it's like they all these different like designer stores and like I don't know if it's there now. Maybe I'm yeah. maybe I'm just so old that I'm not. Maybe I'm <laughs> maybe it's no longer there. I don't know. But anyway, they had all the interesting clothes places there when I was. Younger. Yes, 
Yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, when I came here uh, for work, I kind of visited the stores and I had, uh, you know, I was designing for a brand who was supplying to some of the stores, some of the brands here. So, yeah, it was uh, kind of very interesting um, knowing the fashion world in the UK at the time. Now, um, when did... Where did the Great British Bake Off come for you? Like, at what point were you aware of it? And where did you decide to, um, when did you decide to, you know, apply for it? How did this come, come together for you? So um, I was living here uh, and this amazing uh, show came on TV and the first season came and I watched it and I loved it. And then the second season came and I loved it even more. And obviously the show itself grew bigger by the second season um, with viewership and uh, kind of everyone was uh, really looking for it. Uh, third season, it became really big. And I used to watch it and my friends used to watch it. And at the school drop, we would discuss, oh, you know, this one went out and what did you think about this big? And um, so it was like a point of discussion every week <laughs> when the show was on. Um, and then when it was the fourth season, my a few of my friends said, oh, you know, you should really go for it. And I thought, actually, I'm not going to get through because I, you know, I only make cakes. Um, but then actually I thought, oh, maybe I'm just going to apply for it. And I did. And that's that went through and went on the show. What was your initial, when you first found out you're going to be on the show, what was it, were you like? happy and also scared at the same time? How did you feel? Actually, I remember clearly not being scared at the time. I wasn't scared at all because I was just so happy. Uh, and uh, we weren't allowed to tell anyone that we were going to be on the show. So it was, um, uh, I was actually at a kids play area with my friends and my friends didn't know I'd applied for it only very few of them very close friends uh, knew um, and I, I got the phone call and I had to excuse myself and came back and I just had to make an excuse that someone in India I remember this so clearly that someone in India has had a baby so I'm very happy you know I couldn't tell them what the real reason was um, but yeah it, that's how it happened and I yeah I don't remember being scared at that time at all it was just so exciting if I recall that it's kind of like they're whisking you off to some separate location to be kind of sequestered away is it hard to be on the show is it difficult to kind of be there all day long in this big tent and kind of living separately from your family and friends so it, it was only for uh, two days we would go away. So two nights, actually. And um, uh, it wasn't that bad, actually, because it was just that weekend or Friday, Saturday, whatever, two days in the week that we were away. So it wasn't like a big going away. And it was around three and a half hours away from my house. So um, it wasn't that at all. Um, it was not hard, but yeah, the tent being in the tent from say seven in the morning till seven, eight in the evening. And, you know, it was very, very full on. I think we were all so tired by the end of the show, the 10 weeks uh, was taking a toll on all of us, including the crew, including the team, not just us as in us participants, but everyone, the whole team. Um, it was very strain, um, straining. It was just, uh, you know, it was just 
hard work. I mean, oh God, yeah. I mean, it looks like it to us just watching it. It looks it looks impossible. I mean, I I watch it and going. I mean, it, for me, it's important. Like, I think for most Americans, with people on in, on social media and people at work, I can connect with people over this. I'm not into sports, so I, I could care less about you know American football and, and American baseball. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I never understand all these guys that get so pumped up about sports, watching it every Sunday or whatever. And I'm just like, Ugh, boring. But when this show comes on, I get it because I'm like on the edge of my seat. When you guys have a victory, I'm like, yeah. When something happens, I'm like, ah, like it's just like really exciting for me. And like we really get into it. We, my family watches it. My friends watch it. We talk about it. We discuss it. It's just like it's like sports to us. So. I mean, imagine it just must be a lot of pressure for you guys to be doing all this and having like the scrutiny on you it must be terrifying. No, but actually it's very different. So when it's actually happening, when it's actually being recorded, it's just you guys, like us in the tent and obviously the judges, the cameramen, but it, after the first week, you get used to everyone. So you know everyone by names, you know what is everyone doing. So you forget that these millions of people are going to watch you. So at that moment, when you're in the tent, you're not thinking about those millions of people. You're just thinking that your cake should be perfect and that you shouldn't go home. Yeah. It's only when August came, like a few months, two, two months later, a month and a half later, when the show actually came, then you start thinking, okay, what are people going to think? Or, you know, and also we have not seen the show. So we are watching it as everyone else is watching it. So we've just done our bit in the tent and have come back home. We haven't seen what part they're going to show, what part they're not going to show. So we don't know how it's going to end up looking. So that's when you start thinking. But when you're in the tent, you're not thinking about any of those things. Maybe it's changed for people now. Uh, at that time, I know I can speak for all the people in that show in my year. Uh, we're very close friends and none of us were thinking about what will happen, you know, once it airs. At that time, you just want to bake properly. So what was it like watching yourself on TV? Was that thrilling? Was it, was it like crazy for you to see yourself on TV? Actually, it's it has been eight years. So it it kind of, I haven't watched it. I've, maybe I, I might have seen a clip or two. Um, since then if it's on and I just am flicking TV and it's on but I don't remember much because every time the every week day when on Tuesday the program was on I used to have a viewing party with all my friends over because it was something so extraordinary that I was doing and I was part of this amazing program that I didn't want to I wanted to make the most of it so I would bake all day and then have friends over in the evening with decades and I've got pictures of my lounge full of people and we watched it together so it was just a party for 10 weeks in my house every Tuesday <laughs> that's great um, so I don't I don't remember um, thinking about it as yeah I, I just remember it as this amazing few months of uh, having get-togethers and parties and I am so glad I did this because you know it was once in a lifetime thing I'm not going to go on a show like that again or any other show you know it's just something I've done it once and that's the end of it now what was it like interacting with Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry 
they were lovely. I remember the first day we were standing, um, the first, we were all set early in the morning. We were all in position behind our counters. And Mel and Sue came and said hello to everyone. We were like, oh, you know, because everyone loves Mel and Sue. Uh, they were the presenters at the time. And yeah. then Mary and Paul walked in and literally all of us were like, oh, and you could hear, oh, from all over the tent because we were just so in awe of seeing them both walk in. And then it just suddenly became very real. Yeah. So, so real. It, I will not forget that moment when they walked in and uh, for the first time and it was just like, wow. Now, I want to ask about the food that you make. So some of the items you made looked really challenging to me. Uh, you know, like Florentines have always been for me a kryptonite. Like I can't make them. They, they, I hate them because they're just so evil to make. Um, what was the most challenging things that you had to make? I think it's very easy to say the most challenging one in our year, which was Baked Alaska, because yeah. it was the hottest day. And not just uh, my uh, other contestant in the year, Ian, who is just so lovely. Um, not just he, it, he was not the only one who had a kind of a disaster. There were a lot of us. It's just that he had such a big disaster that none of us, we, no one else got to see what happened to others. And it was just, I think that was really hard. I think biggest reason because it was the hottest day of the year and it was just the wrong day for the wrong uh, item. But that was the hardest for sure. Yeah, when I heard that you had to make that, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's so hot. Why are you doing this to them? It seemed so cruel to make you guys do that. Yeah, but when they are setting the challenges, they don't know it's going to be the hottest day. It uh, by chance happens. I thought they're just being cruel. This, no, this is... <laughs> This is decided months in advance. So it could have been raining and amazing weather for the tent. And if you watch the program, it always happens. When it's chocolate week, it's always the hottest day. It does not happen obviously on purpose. It just happens uh, and it makes for better television. Now, you had something that you made. It was the German Schicktort that looked really yes. horrible to make. What was going in your head when you got the news you had to make that? That must have been really like, ah, oh, God. Yeah, but that was, I think that if I remember correctly, that was a technical challenge. So we yeah. didn't know we were going to be making that till we were given, you know, and obviously I didn't know, like all the other technical challenges, we don't know what they look like. <laughs> so we are just literally guessing. And I think it was just, um, yeah, I, I think by the time the semi-final came, I, I was definitely very tired. And I think it was just, um, I think it was Backlovers before that. And I think I didn't get very good comments on that. Um, and I, yeah, I think I had kind of uh, was feeling a bit weak in my in my confidence and I think that was very yeah it was one of those things and I don't think it was a good item to bake anyways because it's not a nice no. <laughs> kind of uh, it's just tasteless pancakes really what do you think you're most proud of of all the things you made on the show I think um oh actually there were quite a few things I loved the um uh, the week two biscuit week where I made a carousel uh, on the sand on the beach which I think 
Oh, yeah, I, I love I love that. Uh, that was quite nice. I was also very, very, um, very proud to kind of work on Indian pies for the first time. Nobody had done Indian. Obviously, since then, you can find all sorts of Indian flavored pies everywhere in so many cookbooks, in so many uh, people making it. Uh, but at that time, it was it had not been done. So I was not sure how it will be received. But that was something I, uh, you know, was very, very proud of to make something so new. Um, yeah, that was quite amazing too. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org. Now, after the show, you got to start doing some wonderful books and you've been very prolific in books and your first book was the gorgeous and beautiful cardamom trail and I love this book um, it's just really a lovely book and I, I feel like you got to put so much of yourself into it did you get to talk to the publisher about how you wanted to look and feel because it really is not just a good cookbook but it actually looks very inviting and it's fun to look at the pages and everything I think um, with my publishers, I'm quite lucky to have very supportive publishers. So uh, they did actually let me uh, kind of were happy for me to choose the look, the design. Obviously, I didn't choose the cover picture because that's something right. as a team we choose. So it's not yeah. one person doesn't choose it. And it's happened with all the covers. One person doesn't choose the cover. It's a team effort, everyone from sales to production to uh, editors and myself, everyone has a say in it, which I think is fair enough. Um, but in, inside the book, uh, you know, I all the fabrics I used in the book, because I used a lot of fabrics in the book, every shot almost had some fabric, was my personal yeah. collection fabric from my personal collection. And I just wanted this kind of warm, welcoming feel because at that time, all the cookbooks I looked were white on white or very bright pictures, as in very beautiful, but everything was very kind of, um, nothing was, uh, if it was colorful, it was like bright and colorful. I couldn't find like a warm feeling book. And I, I was very sure, uh, I think being from the, uh, creative background I had my um, ideas and I had my choices so yes um, and I continue to do so so it wasn't just that book all the books I've uh, done I've been able to say and have a big say in how it looks and I'm there for the whole shoot of the book so I make sure that the food looks exactly how I would serve it and all things so it's yeah it is um, uh, kind of my vision which comes into being with the help of this amazing team. Your second book was uh, Chai, Chat, and Chutney. And I'm really lucky. I live in the Bay Area and we have just some amazing Indian street food places all over the Bay Area. In fact, the neighborhood where I live, people kind of sell it out of their home and you can just get it everywhere here. So it's really, I'm really lucky. Not so much everywhere else in the United States, but 
I know we're, we're very fortunate and blessed, um, but it's really gets, it's neat to kind of get to see somebody in a cookbook talk about the street food and get to like, you get to get examples of what, what it is and when it, you know, how it is made and like what goes into it. What inspired you to write this book? And like, did you have a love of that you wanted to bring to the, you know, to, to public the publishing market and let everybody get a chance to see it? I think with every book, I have to say, I've tried to do something that is not already there in the market. So when the cardamom yeah. trail came out, it was about adding the spices to the bakes, which was not done before. And then yeah. when I got the green light for the second book, I thought I want to do street food. I love Indian street food. And moving here, it made me realize that for people outside of India, a lot of people, not all of them, um, Indian street food means samosa and maybe chaat and that's it. But it's not just that. And I thought, okay, this is gives me an opportunity to introduce them. Even I don't know half the Indian street food. So uh, that's why I traveled, I researched, and I just wanted to make people aware that I am presenting you these 80 plus recipes from four parts of the country, four cities of the of of India, and this is this is just a glimpse of how varied and amazing Indian street food is. And I think that is I'm proud of every book, but that is very close to my heart because I think again that was not something and hasn't been done in that way. Um, so there isn't any other cookbook like that. So right. I, you know. Um, it, it give yeah it makes me very proud of uh, I'm not kind of putting another book that's similar to there might be hundreds others there's something unique I am trying to bring to the book world or uh, educate or kind of make it interesting for the reader. Now your third and fourth books were Chetna's Healthy Indian and Chetna's Healthy Indian Vegetarian and they're just really great cookbooks because they give I, th I feel like I I've been working on doing reviews for these and in them, when I really go through the recipes, the one thing that strikes me the most also with your fifth book as well, but there really are some great examples of how to cook with vegetables, which I don't always see because I feel it's gratuitous in other books. Whereas this is, you're actually just, you seem to like, I feel like you have a great take on vegetables. Like you really seem to understand vegetables and how they're cooked and you're bringing it to people that may not, like, I, I sometimes struggle to cook vegetables for my family and get them to eat them. I like eating vegetables, but my family, not so much. So I kind of have to almost entice them with something unique and good. And you really pull out all the stops with your take. Was that your intent is to kind of like get British people <laughs> and like Americans eating more vegetables? Were you thinking about that? I think not necessarily, that is not the reason. I think because like my dad is vegetarian, my husband's vegetarian and the only meat we eat is chicken and fish. Uh, we are mostly vegetarian. So I only cook chicken in my house here twice a month maybe. And that's kind of exaggeration. Sometimes it's not even once a month, but yeah, twice a month I cook chicken at home. So we are essentially vegetarians. And I don't like, you know, I, I don't want to eat the same food day in, day out. So right. I've grown up like that. And it's it comes quite naturally. It's not like I am um, kind of coming up with something completely unique, which is why the healthy Indian books happen, because the number of people that question me after cardamom trail and uh, street food chai chat and chutney is like oh my god is this how you eat and if you eat like this how do you stay fit and blah blah, blah. and i'm thinking yes we do eat that but that's not how we eat we eat day in and day out they right. are 
um, special meals or whatever, weekend meals or whatever, but that's not our everyday meal. And that's yeah. where the healthy Indian food came about because again, there was nothing in the market like that. And I don't want it healthy where I'm counting calories and I am trying to say, don't put any oil and, you know, kind of take away all the soul of living life, kind of a happiness of eating. So I wanted to show them that actually we do eat very healthy Indian food every day in Indian homes in actually in India. So um, and we eat vegetables, seasonal vegetables, because you can't really find vegetables out of season right. as such. Um, and it just comes naturally. So I just hope that I'm so glad to hear that it it does come across like I am uh, you know uh, making vegetables more interesting um, it is just a natural way of cooking for us I guess well that goes into uh, Chetna's 30 minute India in your fifth book and that's cooking everyday meals now I'm a I cook for my family every day and I love it but it could be a chore sometimes like there's times when I just like I'm like I don't want to do this but I think your book really kind of speaks to this because I feel like you get it because like you often have some takes on cooking that are simple and have fresh and flavorful stuff that's not boring. And that is such a godsend to people like me because I can take this book and I could actually utilize it week when I prepare my grocery lists for, for the store. I can look at this book and say, okay, I need to get this, this, and this. And it's really wonderful. And I just feel like, did you have a mind to this when you made it? Like you're kind of giving us a lifeline out here for people like me, we have to do this. It, it's not just people like you, it's for people like me too, because I love cooking. But like say today, I have run around from one place to the other meetings in the afternoon and I've just picked up my son and it's already five o'clock and I yeah. need to prepare a meal. I haven't prepared a meal yet, but uh, a 30 minute meal is so doable and the biggest thing for me is I don't want to eat food as if it's a job I want to eat delicious food so my biggest thing in all my books is flavor I do not want to compromise on flavor whether it's cooked in 30 minutes or whether it's street food it is or healthy food so um, it's not just lifeline for you it's a lifeline for me too and I know so many people in the same position because they come back from work and they haven't got time and even on weekends, not everyone wants to be spending cooking, you know, as yeah. much as people want to rest and do other things, but yeah. they want to eat a good meal. So that is how that book came about. And I think, again, just trying to tell people that actually, no, you don't have to spend hours and a few recipes in that book actually get ready in 15 minutes. So and some are exactly 30 minutes. So yeah. yes, you know, you Very can. Much. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's something that, um, you, you know, can easily be done without making any excuses. If you've got the things ready, obviously, if you've got the ingredients in the house, then that's it. It's easy peasy. Now, I got to ask you, you got a book coming out in September, Chetna's Easy Baking, and with a twist of spice comes out. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this book? I know you may not may not be able to talk about it, but can we talk just a little bit about it? Give us some teasers about what's coming up. Yes, I think uh, I can definitely tell you that it is going back to my love of baking, and it's quite nice that I've done all these Indian books, and I'm back to uh, a baking book. And this time it is a hundred percent baking book. So every obviously recipe needs an oven 
And uh, it's something that is quite special because it's got savory baking and I've made it into chapters where it's savory baking, it's baking uh, with all the things from the garden, like vegetable patches. So it's all the kind of using courgettes and carrots and um, for example, you know, aubergines. And so it's baking with vegetables again, making vegetables interesting it's also for the first time i've done a special chapter for vegan food vegan baking uh which i've never done uh but i thought it is time because i get so many requests for that so and all the recipes are again easy my main thing is people should not feel that oh my god i can't do this that's not the purpose the purpose of doing books is so that people um think oh yeah I can do this easy um yeah so it's easy simple baking uh but it's got it's my book so it has to have some kind of spices not every single kind of recipe has it but it's got like a pizza naan it's got uh it's got some lovely pastries with delicious Indian spices mixed into it and and it's got pies and it's got cakes that sounds great (laughs) This sounds wonderful. And I have to say, you're the only, I've never liked aubergines and I like the look of them. I think they're beautiful, but like, I've never liked to eat them because I always had them prepared badly. You're the only uh, food writer that actually makes me want to go buy one. So oh, thank, thank you for that. You. Now I want to tell people, I know you've got to get going, but I just want to tell people you have a wonderful, wonderful YouTube channel, Food with Chetna. I just want to ask you, the production quality is just amazing. And is that your kitchen in, in, in the episodes? Well, so uh, production has changed uh, over the years because I've had that channel after I finished writing my first book, Karmam Trail, I started the channel. And before I used to have a cameraman come into the kitchen and make the videos for me, but COVID changed everything because right. the cameraman couldn't come anymore. So for the last two years now, exactly two years in March, um when the cameraman couldn't come I couldn't stop I didn't I I love YouTube I love sharing recipes on it it's because I do it from my home kitchen so it's not like I'm doing it in a professional capacity I'm just sharing what I'm cooking for my family with my family on YouTube so it's it just feels so friendly so when the cameraman couldn't come my kids said oh mom you could make it on the phone and I said actually yeah so my kids started filming it um and, um, you know, I would tell them angles and stuff. And after a while, I didn't have to tell them angles and stuff because they get better angles than I do. They're doing so, a good job. Um, yeah. Good job. <laughs> Saved on some money as well. But, you know, it, it wasn't out of choice. It was just something that I had to do if I wanted to continue YouTube in the lockdown. And actually lockdown doing YouTubes. I did YouTube videos every single day for the first lockdown for six weeks. Uh, which was intense, but I I got amazing messages from people where it helped them so much. Just having like, people said that because they were not doing anything, they would just look forward to that 10, 15 minute video and just cheer them up. And whether they cooked that or not, which a lot of people did, but it was just something they look forward to. And actually mm, that made me extremely happy and made, made it all worthwhile, I guess. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. I... I do like YouTube. I, I do like my YouTube channel a lot. You do. So, I mean, it's nice to see you cook some of the recipes on there because it gives me kind of a window into how to do it, the techniques. And 
I mean, there may be simple things for you, but it really helped me like the vegetarian Hakka noodles. I'll make that for my family. And then I really love scotch eggs. So the Indian scotch eggs you made with Katie, Q Katie, really yeah. brilliant. I'm like, I got to try that. That looks amazing. So you did some oh, great I'm stuff so on glad. that. Oh, no. thank you. And I like the chat in the chats, the little side chat in the chats you did. <laughs> those are really fun. I like those. I hope you do more of those. I do hope so. But I think um, Chasen and Chats was such an Instagram thing in, in lockdown. But I think the world is open now. I'm not sure how many people, YouTube is something you can, you know, catch back or put on yeah. TV and make it, you know, it's different to Instagram where I think Instagram, I'm not sure many people want to sit down and watch Instagram videos anymore. So, but I really enjoyed that too. I wish I, I, I might see if, if in the summer, I could do a few special appearances kind of video chats with some of my favorite bakers. Well, I recommend people watch it because they're really brilliant and they really are great demonstrations of cooking too. And beautiful kitchen, really lovely, oh, really a nice you. kitchen. I, I want to thank you for being on the show. I, I know you got to get going, but thank you so much for being here and talking to me today. I really love to get a chance to talk to you. And I want to recommend your gorgeous cookbooks. They're very beautiful and they're really inspiring. Go out and uh, they're available. I'm going to have links on the bio. You can go to there and, and purchase the books there. Chetna, thank you for being on the program. Oh, thank you so much. This was such a lovely chat. Thank you. Thank you. I, it was my conversation with the great British Bake Offs, Chetna Meken. Um, we have links to her uh, biography and also her cookbooks in the bio. I suggest you check that out, as well as the YouTube video that she does, um, Cooking Food with Chetna. Uh, that'll be on there as well. So check all those links out. And uh, also we're gonna be having um, later this week on Friday, we're gonna be having one of my friends, Nick Hayward. Hey Nick, chef, artist, and writer. He's excellent at all these things on the program. Um, I know him largely from um, the Medium program that we're on together, um, One Table, One World. And then also just from talking to him, I, he has been on panels before when I've worked doing food panels for public libraries. He's always been such a gracious guest. And um, I just wanted to have him on the program, not only uh, just because he's, you know, great talking, telling about food and techniques, his food writing, great artist, just an awesome guy. And I wanted to have a chance to talk with a friend. So he's going to be on on Friday. And then on Monday, we're going to have Neil Buttery, A Dark History of Sugar. Really love getting to talk to Neil. He, I feel like I was talking to an old friend the whole time I was talking to him. Just a great conversation. I really want to enjoy, uh, let you talk, listen to that uh, podcast because I really enjoyed it. So please uh, tune in for that. Um, you're really going to enjoy it. Also learn quite a bit at the same time because, you know, we had a fun conversation. We talked about a very serious topic. So I want to encourage you to be there. Um, so you can uh, go on to the links and if you feel the, um, the urge, you can uh, buy me a coffee or a pint um, on the link to the Buy Me a Coffee uh, website. And then you can also help us promote the podcast and share the episode with a friend on social media or just send them the, an email with the podcast episode in it. Um, I'd be very grateful. Um, you can share it on social media on Twitter with the tag um, WellLibrarian, and also you can share on Facebook. Follow Well Season Librarian podcast on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher, and you'll get notified when new episodes are released. And you can subscribe to the podcast newsletter and get updates on my articles and more at wellseasonlibrarian.substack.com. And I want to also give a thanks, a very grateful thanks to 
our theme song, Talk About Love, which is sung by the band Kitty Cat Fan Club. Their label, Asian Men Records, um, can be reached at asianmenrecords.com. You can go onto the website, uh, listen to some tunes, see some music videos. You can buy some of their merchandise. I have several of their wonderful t-shirts. I recommend you buy them. Also, they make stickers, all kinds of things. And not the least, you can buy vinyl of the band's performances of many different bands that they manage on there. So thank you, Asian Men Records, for letting us use Talk About Love. So that's it, you guys. I, I don't have anything else. Again, I'm, I am chuffed and humbled and gobsmacked to be doing Season 7, Episode 1. Um, I, I get to do this because you guys listen, and you're out there listening, and I'm very grateful. And I really love hearing feedback, so contact me um, through the website and uh, give me a shout-out. Tell me what you think about the program and getting any, any ideas you might have. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Keep cooking. Getting better, better than you'll know. Take a little time for it to show. You made my life seem settled, settling for more. Take a little time for love to grow. Will you break my heart with so much pleasure? Will you talk You may